Abundance of love Abundance of grace Now to that cross You took my place Oh God You paid my ransom My ransom Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 136. If you have them, if you don't, these verses will be on your screen. We sang a song just a minute. Well, some of us sang a song. Listen, when it's time to sing, sing. When it's time to pray, pray. When it's time to listen, listen. The Bible says when we gather together in the name of the Lord, we gather to celebrate resurrection. And when we do that, God said to pay attention to the reading of the word and the teaching of it. And I want you this morning to pay attention. We're going to continue with the same theme from which we sang about the goodness of God. In Psalm 136, 1, the Bible says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God is good, his mercy endures forever. I hope five people believe that this morning. Amen. Pray with me. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, God, for never giving up on your children. God, I pray that today that you would Anoint me to say the things that would honor you, God. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. Cover this place with your spirit, God, and teach us your word by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. We did it. Every church did it back in the day. It got too cliche, so everybody stopped doing it. But churches would say, and y'all can go ahead and, and cliche up with me today, God is good and all the time. And it just got to be so redundant and repetitive, people just got out of, out of doing it. But if you could just approach your day knowing that God is good, it changed your whole life. If you could approach your tragedy knowing that God is good in the midst of tragedy, it changed your whole life. If you could approach everything you go through knowing that the God of all heaven cares about you, and he's got a good plan for your life. It can change your life. And I want us to look at this psalm today and think about how good God is and how great it is. Listen, if his mercy only endured six times, we'd all be in hell. How many people in this room know that you have sinned more than six times in your life? And mercy is when God doesn't give you what you've got coming. Uh, we, 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 are, we are like criminals uh, that, that ha, uh, have been caught on videotape. All we can do is throw ourselves on the mercy of the judge. And God is a merciful judge. The Bible says he's slow to anger, quick to forgive, and ready to pardon. And I want you to understand how good God is today. But the reality is people in today's generation, they do not have a proper view of God at all. They don't have a pro if they have any concept of God, if they if they allow for the possibility intellectually even that there's a God, they don't typically have a proper view of God because they don't have a proper view of God's word. 
and they try to make God not what he says. See, everything we know for sure about God is written in this book. Everything. The Bible says God has exalted his word above his name. This book is how God has chosen to reveal himself. The Bible says that in days past, long ago, God chose to speak to his children through prophets. And in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. And we've got the words of the prophets. We've got the words of his son. And people just don't have the right idea about God's word. Here's, here's what most people try to do. And I've watched this for over 40 years. They attempt to make God who they want him to be already. They, they try to fashion a God that fits their morality. They try to fashion a God that fits their theology. They try to fashion a God that fits their idea of what they want God to be. That's why if you go into the majority of white people's homes that have a picture in their house of the Lord's Supper, it's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus with 12 white dudes sitting with him. You couldn't find a blonde-haired, blue-eyed person in... Uh, the Middle East 2,000 years ago if you went over there with a search warrant and a lottery ticket. That doesn't exist. People that, people that live in that part of the world are brown. I had a racist tell me one time, and he showed me pictures. He had gone to the Holy Land, and he showed me pictures. Uh, showed me a picture of Benjamin Netanyahu, who thankfully unto God is the leader of Israel once again. Uh, you need to pray for B.B. because he's a great man, and God is on his side as God is on the side of all Jews. Uh, but he showed, he showed me Benjamin Netanyahu. He said, does that man look, look, look uh, white or, or, or black to you? I said, well, he looks like Benjamin Netanyahu to me. But he showed me a picture of all these light-skinned Jewish people. And if you've ever wondered why, listen, when the great diaspora happened, the scattering of the 12 tribes, then they moved out run off of their own land and went and lived for hundreds of years in different places and they intermarried Germans and Italians um, and Caucasians and African Americans. Jews became some of every color. But I promise you this, 2,000 years ago when the Jews were occupying the city of God, they were brown-skinned people. White people want Jesus to be white. Why? Because they want... Uh, listen, if God has to look like you for you to be able to worship him, you worship yourself. Oh, that's, that's, that's better preaching than you. I'm preaching better than y'all are staring at me. But same, same thing. I mean, I, I, I ain't going to let everybody, you know, get out of here without getting hit at least once. Um, you go into an African-American home. If they, got a, if they got a picture of the Last Supper, they got Jesus with an afro and 12, 12 Africans sitting at the table with him. Jewish people were not African. They weren't Caucasian. They weren't African. And people get mad. And I know people. Black Hebrew nationals will tell you up and down every day of the week that Jesus was African. But he wasn't. He wasn't white. He wasn't black. He was Jewish. The Bible makes it clear. He was born in Bethlehem. Bunch of brown skin. Listen, dark brown skin brothers. Uh, in, in, in that part of the world. But people try to make him what they want to make him. I mean, I, I feel bad uh, if you didn't see the news. Some crazy person 
went into a bar last night and shot up a bunch of folk. Um, it was a gay bar in Colorado. And I told the staff this morning, I've never even met anybody that hated gay people. Um, he, he, but here's the sad thing. Some gay people, and there are gay pastors in our city, um, and, and there, are, are there are gay people in, in, in every city in the world, and they truly believe that God is okay with their sexual misbehavior, and he's not. But they get upset. It's, I've, I've, never, I've never met a drunk. How, how many of y'all know the Bible says don't get drunk? But drunk people will be like, yeah, I know I shouldn't get drunk, but I do it anyhow. Gay people are like, no, God supports homosexuality. I'm like, stop trying to make God who you want him to be. Stop trying to make God think the way you think. I don't want a God who thinks the way I think, and I don't want a God who thinks the way you think. I'm glad that God, not my color, don't look like me. I want to worship something higher than me, smarter than me, better than me, greater than me. Because short of that, we just end up worshiping ourselves, and that's what most people do. Rich people got their own view of how, how God is, and they, they'll, they'll tell people in a minute. Uh, and everybody knows the Bible verses that fit their foolishness. Every, every drunk knows well, first miracle Jesus did was turn water into wine. Every drunk knows. Well, Paul said, take, take some wine for thy stomach. They go all King James on you. Take some wine for thy stomach's sake. Okay, so that's who you want God to be. You're drinking, buddy. Um, everybody, rich people want, want, want God to be this. If, they, they got their verse. If a man don't eat, he ought not to work. All these lazy people collecting government checks. Uh. And then they just grind on that for a heartbeat. Then you got all. Then you got some people who are listen. And we need to have a welfare system in America. We need to have a welfare system in America for disabled people, for older people, for handicapped people, for people who paid into the system when they were healthy and able to work. Now, I'm glad four of y'all agree with that. We need to have that safety net in place. And I thank God. Uh, that, that we're a nation that does that. Um, but all, all the people who just are, are lazy and could work. You know, we got millions of able-bodied Americans sitting at home right now living off the system. And, and every, every one of them will, will swear up and down that the gospel was first preached to the poor. And they just think the poor are closer to God than the rich. The rich people think that their money... Everybody tries to pigeonhole God into a certain spot. And that's why I came to tell you, if you get this today, you, you'll, you'll have a lot. The ancients call him holy other. He is holy, completely, altogether different. And I love that about him. I want you to find out the difference of God. I want you to find... Listen... Some people can't get close to God because they've been wounded. Some people can't get close to God because they, every time they try to trust somebody, they got hurt. Listen, just because people hurt you don't mean God will hurt you. People lied to you. God can't lie to you. Uh, people changed up on you. God doesn't change up. But we got this wrong view pervasive in the world today because people don't know the Bible. God has revealed himself to us in this book and if, but here's the thing, some people read the Bible and, and try to make it say what they want it to say. Cherry pick a verse here and a verse there that backs up their hatred. Um, listen, 
Stop trying to make God who you want him to be and find out who he says he is and worship him for who he says he is. I'm, I'm going to read this. I meant to leave this in the notes, but I, I deleted it. And so I, I feel bad for that. Uh, I'm going to read to you out of Washington, D.C. This is uh, five years ago. Gallup uh, is a survey group. And they do lots of surveys. And here, here's what they said about the Bible. Fewer than one in four Americans now believe the Bible is the actual word of God and is to be taken literally word for word. Similar to the 26% who view it as a book of fables, legends, and history. 24% of people surveyed say it's the actual word of God. 26% of people, this is adults in the United States of America, said it's just a book of fables. Listen, listen to what Gallup said. This is the first time in Gallup's four-decade survey that biblical literalism was surpassed by biblical skepticism. Meanwhile, about half of Americans, a number that's largely unchanged, fall in the middle saying that the Bible is somewhat inspired uh, and somewhat not. Okay? So here's what we got. Here's the chart. I'm glad you were able to get that on there, guys. Um, Elder said if I sent it to him, he'd make it work. I'm glad y'all made that work. So the column on the left, uh, oh, you got it in multiple ways. Which one's easier? All right. So you got, well, it's not really centered under inspired word of God, but we'll, we'll work with that. Um, <laughs> gives people stuff to strive for. Um, all U.S. adults surveyed, 20, only 24% believe that the Bible is the literal word of God from beginning to end. And I want you to know, so you don't have, you don't have to know my driver's license number, but you need to know this. I am in that 24%. And I'm never going to be anywhere other than that. That percent may go up, it may go down, but I can promise you I'm in that left-hand column. You, you want to talk about who's right wing, who's left wing? When you're looking at that chart, I'm as far left as a human being can get. I believe in the actual word of God. And then, look, look, look at it. They got men not believing as strong as women. 23% of men believe the Bible is the real word of God. 26% of women. Now, here's what's crazy. In 18 to 29-year-olds, it's the lowest number ever measured in American history of people who believed in biblical literalism. 12% of people from 18 to 29. Now, this survey is five years old, so this is now people from 23 to 34. Only 12% of them believe the Bible is the actual word of God. It gets a little bit better. With older people, 30 to 49, 24%. 50 to 64, which is my group of folk, 31%. 60, I don't understand why people in their 50s and early 60s believed that the Bible was the little word of God their whole life, 31%. And then they hit 65 and they said, nah, maybe not. I want you to see, you don't need to memorize these numbers, but what I do want you to understand is this is a bad trend. If you take my age, 59 years old, 31% believe the book is real. Younger than me, 24%. The youngest group of adults in America, only 12%. 30% of 
of young adults believe that this book is an ancient book of fables and stories. If I had long enough, I'd sit down on the edge of this stage and I would weave together a whip and I'd just beat everybody that believed that. It's offensive to me. That ought to offend you. That there are people in this country that would call this book, this book that was non-published for hundreds of years, that people had to die and sneak publications to people that we can hold in our hand, that, that 30% of those people would say it's just a bunch of fairy tales. Overall, every age group together, 26% of Americans believe that the Bible is a book of fables and stories, and only 24% believe that it's the Word of God. I don't know if you're on the left. I don't know if you're in the middle. I don't know if you're on the right, but I can tell you this. The middle, ain't, the middle column isn't any better than, than, than the right-hand column. You're going to pick and choose? Oh, I like this verse. I believe God said that. I took a class one time when I was... Uh, finishing my master's degree at Liberty University. And <laughs> one of the things in graduate work, it's all writing. It's all long essays, and you got to format it right. And they made us read at least two of everything done online. We had to read two of our classmates' uh, essays every week and critique them. And ours got critiqued by up to the whole class. Um, mine, mine tended to get critiqued more heavily than, I never just had two people pile on. But we had this one lady in there, and she said every week, nothing that the Apostle Paul wrote is, is authorized word of God because he was a misogynistic bigot that hated women. I'm like, okay, and, she, you know, why? Because God inspired him to say that God created the man first and the man was supposed to be the leader? She didn't believe any, and, and I told her every week, uh, if, if you're going to discount, God used the Apostle Paul to write half the New Testament. You're going to pick and choose verses? How do you know you're picking the right ones and tossing the wrong ones? The Bible says you got to eat the whole roll, and I want you to get a higher view of this book. Well, how, how, do, how do you know how high your view is? How often do you go to it? How often do you pick it up and read it? How often do, do, do you just meditate on it? Because we have got to believe that this book is the Word of God. Because whatever you think about God, if it doesn't line up with this book, it's false. Well, my truth, that, is the most, that may be the single most demonically inspired current verbiage in the world today. Well, my truth... What that's, that's an assault on God's word and the real truth. None of us have our truth. Well, I'm just living my truth. Okay, well, your truth's going to put you in hell. Because Jesus said he's the only way to get to heaven. And if anybody tries to come another way, they're a thief and a liar. So we've got to get to the place where we're like, okay, we're going to believe this book. We're going to believe that this is the words that God gave us. At least people say, well, you know, it's been... It's been retranslated and originally written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. And, you know, they had to translate it into different languages. Let me, let me tell you something. The God who keeps the planets from crashing into each other. The God who gives us just... If we were any closer to the sun, we'd burn up to death. 
Wouldn't mind being a little closer to the sun today. But if we were any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. And if we were any further away from the sun, we'd freeze to death. God has worked everything out, every detail out to perfection. And the God who perfected everything is perfect in us through translations from Hebrew and Greek into any language in the world to give us a reliable Bible that we can believe in and that God's Word is real. And the more you get into the book, the more the book will get in to you. Let's go to our text, Psalm 136, verse 1. It says, oh, give thanks. This is, this is a pleading. This is, this is a desperate, oh. So, so, sometimes the psalmist would say, oh, that men would praise the Lord. This, this, is, this is a pleading. In, in the Hebrew culture, the book of Psalms was their songbook. And many of these were set to music and were sang to God. And they, they, this is called in, uh, in, in the Jewish religion the great or the greater Hallel. Hallel means to praise God. Um, loud and excitable. Um, to, to rant and rave and to lose your mind in celebration. Hallel is an excited, Hallel should have been what was happening when we were singing to that video. When the Bible says praise God, you can't just say, well, I praise him in my own way. I praise him in my heart. Praise is a verb. If I told you I go fishing in my heart, you'd know I was crazy. This, this Psalm 136 is the great Hallel. Um, the word that we use, I, just, just do this. Ask the next five people you run into. What does hallelujah mean? Somebody tell us what hallelujah means. Praise the Lord. But it's a conflation of two words. Hallel and Yah. That's where we get hallelujah or now more commonly pronounced hallelujah. And it means to praise God with excitement and joy. And really, that's the best, that's the best way to praise him. Could you imagine somebody coming to your house, they're going to celebrate you. And uh, it comes time to sing happy birthday to you. And everybody's like, and just staring at the floor and not smiling at you. They come to your house, eat up your, your, your pigs in the blanket, because that is the real finger food of choice. They come to your house, they eat up your cake and ice cream. They, they come to your house because you sent them an invitation to come to a party, and they come looking sad, depressed, and miserable, and don't celebrate you at all. That is an insult to the birthday boy or the birthday girl. And when our praise is not hallel, yah, then there is no hallelujah. There, there, there is no highest praise to God. And we need to learn how to do it. But I believe after 40 years of counseling people, the reason why most people don't have hallel praise, the reason why most people don't celebrate God, the reason why most people don't have the joy of the Lord as their strength, the reason why most people don't rejoice in the Lord always, the reason why most people look like they're busted, disgusted, can't be trusted, the reason why most people's faces look, look like they've been sucking on prunes all week long when they come to church is because they don't think about how good God is. 
I have stood in line to get into concerts. I've stood in line to get into sporting events, WrestleMania, basketball games. Um, I was so excited one time. Uh, I wasn't a Miami Heat fan, but we were in Miami. Um, and this is when LeBron was with Miami, and I just knew it. I felt I, I told I told everybody in the whole section we were sitting in. LeBron's gonna go off for 40. He went off for 42, so I was almost right. Uh, but he went off for more than 40. But and, and people were just giddy to be there, standing in line trying to get in to WrestleMania. Everybody had on their merchandise, and they were just happy and excited. And people come to church foot dragging, and well, I'm here. But you, we, we tell each other God's the source of our life, and he means more to us than anything. Let me tell you something. What means more to you than anything, you will not miss. You will not miss. I don't, uh, do the Jaguars play today? They don't? If they played today, there are thousands of people that live in this city that would not miss it. If that game came on at 1 o'clock, they'd be right dead in front. They'd tape it. They'll watch it and tape it to rewatch it later. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he he might have been ultra busy yesterday, but uh, yesterday Rick Rick's team, uh, the other USC, uh, Uni University of uh, Deep South Kakalaki, hung sixty three points on a beatdown against Tennessee. Huh? Isn't that what I said? Yeah, oh, you just so excited you wanted to repeat it. You know why? He's smiling from ear to ear. He's, he's saying amen and repeating what the preacher's saying about a football team. Why? Because he ain't about to miss when South Carolina is, is, is doing something good. Why? Because he loves South Carolina football. What you love, you don't want to miss. If you love, if you love, some of y'all, if, uh, I don't know why. I got no hate in my heart for any president ever in the United States. To me, they're all, they're all like pro wrestlers. They're all just playing a role. They just want to stay rich. Um, but there are some people that if President Obama was in my office right now, you can get up and walk out of this service. You go sit over there, and, and, and he said, I'll talk to anybody who wants to talk to me. Uh, some of you, if Trump was over there, I mean, you want to be where what you love is. You ought to be excited when you come to church. You ought, most people don't have the right amount of celebration for God because deep in their heart, they don't really believe God's done much. They don't really believe God's done much. And one of the things that the Hebrews mastered was familiar or family storytelling. And I don't know how your family is. My family tells the same stories over and over and over again. We've heard them a thousand times, but we're going to tell them again, though, because we just like hearing them. They would tell stories about God. They, they, would, remind, they would tell their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, we're talking about the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're talking about the God who brought us out of Egypt. And they would remind themselves as they told other people how good God had been to them. And man, of all the, the fake O-meters I have, I joke about putting uh, an, uh, an O-meter around your neck to see where you register, uh, hot or cold. Uh, I, I wish I really could see your 
where you register on my, my O-meter for do you really believe that God is good? Because I'm going to tell you right now, most people don't. Most people that come counseling in my office crying, I don't know why. I don't. And it's always, I don't know why X, Y, and Z is happening to me. And those of y'all that have been around, you know, the very first thing I ask them is what? Are you reading your Bible? And the answer I get more than anything? Not as much as I should. Well, if you know not as much as you should, and you got a Bible, why don't you read it more? Because most people do not believe God has the answers. Most people do not believe God is good. Most people do not believe, no matter what God has done for them in the past, that God is better than they are. It's shocking to me. When I say that God has been better to me than I've been to him, you can write that down in red letters and take that to the bank. Those of y'all that know me know, well, yeah, he sure has. But God's been better to you than you've been to him. And God has been better to us than we deserve. Now, this, this, this song that is in Psalm 136, it is... Uh, it's a declaration of the goodness of God, of, of how good God is. And I want you to understand that the, the, the fact that God is good is foundational to everything he does and all that he is. Everything springs forth from his goodness. He loves us because he's good. He gives to us because he's good. He cares for us because he's good. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon wrote. Another thing I meant to leave in the notes, but I probably erased. Listen, listen to this quote. This, this is so on point. God is good beyond all others. Indeed, he alone is good in the highest sense. He is the source of good, the good of all good, the sustainer of good, the perfecter of good, the rewarder of good. And because of this, he deserves constant gratitude from his people. Mm. People come to church, sing me happy, choir. Preach me happy, preacher. You ought to just be overwhelmed when you woke up this morning and realized God still let oxygen be in your bedroom. That your house didn't burn down. That you weren't somewhere last night where some 22-year-old lunatic walked in and shot up a bunch of people, killed five people, sent about 20 more to the hospital. What kind of world we live in. Where, where people are just going to go to a bar and shoot up that many folk. They don't know how good God is. Or they wouldn't be acting like that. We got, we, we, we've got to give pause today to think about how good God is. Listen, the Bible says that uh, in, in verse 1, Give thanks unto the Lord for... Now, I've told you that in, in, in the Bible, many times, when you see the word for, you can replace it with a word that might help your understanding. That word is what? Because. Give thanks unto the Lord because he is good. Uh, they, they, in, in, in you know, the 1600s, they used that word for a lot when we would commonly use the word because. But we give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he's good. And I want you to understand this. Because people today got it all wrong. 
They, they want to act like they don't, they don't need God. And, well, I, don't go to God I, I don't go to church because of all the hypocrites. Listen, you go to, you go to Walmart. Hypocrites in Walmart. You go to Winn-Dixie. You go to Publix. You go to your own bathroom and look yourself in the mirror. There's hypocrites in that mirror. The Bible says everyone's a hypocrite. At some point, we all say one thing and do another. That's why God's wholly other. That's why he's completely different. That's why we need to learn about this great God who, who desires to reveal himself to us. But we give him thanks primarily because of his goodness. People want to bash God. People, people want to, I remember when Jimmy Swaggart fell, um, had a, this church speak, had a moral failure. That means it was something involving sex. Uh, like if he, uh, listen, a preacher who goes to see hookers ain't no more guilty and condemned in God's eyes than a preacher who don't read his Bible every day. And a preacher who don't read his Bible every day ain't no more condemned in God's eyes than a Christian who don't read their Bible every day. Mm, we're getting somewhere. But let me tell you, we, we should give thanks to God primarily because he's good. We shouldn't give thanks to God because the preacher's good. We shouldn't give thanks to God because Christians are good. We, we don't give thanks to God because churches are good. We don't give thanks to God because the economy is good. We shouldn't give thanks to God just because things in our life is going good. We should give God thanks always because he's always good. He never changes. He never fails. And his love endures forever. I can't even think of that dude's name. Uh, Randy something. The organ player from Hillcrest's brother was out in Clay Hill with us. Ray's brother. The man's name was Randy that was, was coming to the church, though. Um, and he, he, was, he was a former pastor who had gotten out of ministry. And we were talking one time, and he, he was telling me about uh, so, somebody that lived in his neighborhood, he said, now this, this dude is, is a real low life. I said, man, that's harsh. I said, we're supposed to love everybody. He said, let me tell you something, preacher. Ain't but two people in the whole world love that boy. That's Jesus and his mama. <laughs> wow. You went, you went there on that. If you know that God still loves you, in spite of you, Knowing everything you've done and everything you're going to do. Knowing every evil thought you've had since you got on this property this morning. And God says, that's my kid and I love him. See, one, one thing, one thing that it, 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 it throws me um, because I, I'm just not that way. So it throws me when I see um, parents that are so overly valuing there you ever you ever met one let's pretend like it ain't you it's you i'm talking about you but let's pretend i ain't oh there's no one smarter than my becky she's she's a genius oh there there there, there oh oh ray ray's the greatest basketball player they never been a, i mean just overvalue them just love them beyond rationale just they, they're, they're little crazy looking Gross, ugly, awkward-looking child. They just want just—they're convinced this kid is beautiful. Listen, there is a universal standard for beauty, and some kids ain't it. 
So, so, there, 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 there's, there's one word that experts have said defines beauty universally. And it's not size, uh, big, small. It's, it's not color of, of skin. It's not dark or light. The one thing that experts agree uh, defines beauty universally is one word. And it rhymes with imagery, bimetry, and mimetry. Symmetry. If, if, if your face is symmetrical, you got a better chance of looking good. I've seen some people whose kids look, I mean, big old cone head, crazy eyed. And they're like, oh my. And, and, but they really believe their child is just beautiful. Why? Because parents who love their children to the extreme overvalue them in spite of how ugly they are. I'm talking about people who take that little, I told y'all about the refrigerator picture before. I have seen parents of four-year-olds tell me that they think their child is an artist prodigy. Look, look, at this, look at this coloring they did. It, okay, that, the coloring book, that was a man. And your prodigy, brilliant, amazingly gifted child decided that the man had an orange arm and a purple arm? And you think your kid's gifted? Doesn't matter how bad the coloring is, how outside the lines, how the colors don't match. If they, if they just do one thing, if they just put on the bottom of that page, I love you, Mommy. Oh, that's on the refrigerator. Some of y'all moms, some of y'all real moms are like, you better know it right now. That's my, that, my baby is a coloring machine. My baby outcolor every baby on the planet. Why? Only because it's yours. But that's just how great parents love their children beyond who they are. See, we love God because of who he is. He loves us beyond who we are. Mm. If you ever get any of this, it, 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 it's going to put a little pep in your step. Uh, the primary reason to give thanks to God is because he's good. you got to start focusing on what God has done good. You cannot be who God wants you to be with a woe is me pity party. I already told y'all. First song I ever learned. My mama taught me the first song I ever learned. First song I ever memorized. What was the name of it, Dina? Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll eat some worms. First bite the heads off, then suck the guts out. See how they wiggle and squirm. Now you mix that in with D. Now my mama grew up on a, on a, on a dirt patch and was a cotton farmer picking cotton. Had, had only one of the kids that got out of high school. Had a whole, you know, all farmers had lots of kids because it's free help. Um, she was the only one to graduate high school, went on, graduated college. Got a postgraduate degree. Um, but because she's from l rural Louisiana and grew up picking cotton, I, I, I think if you were poor and you picked cotton in Louisiana, you had to watch it and force your children and your grandchildren to watch Hee Haw every time it came on. I think that's a law somewhere. I'm not sure what book that's in, but I'm going to tell you this. They, they, they taught a whole generation how, how not to be rejoicing in the Lord e every week. I don't even remember who, who sang it. Uh, one of, you know, Roy, Roy was picking and 
or Buck was picking and Roy was grinning. And, and, but they'd sing that song. And I'm like, what kind of twisted hillbilly redneck, backwards thinking, self-destructive, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression. What did they say next? Excessive misery. If it weren't for what? I'd have no. This is a generation of people who've been brainwashed into stupidity. What we need to realize is God is good. People, people are so bitter about what they don't have, they can't thank God for what they do have. People are so bitter. Well, I just don't understand why my cousin, they don't even go to church, but they, they have everything and I have nothing. Nobody in this room has nothing. Everybody in this room has an outfit. You're wearing it. Everybody in this room, uh, the majority of people in this room, if not everybody in this room, I told y'all, the number's easy to look up. Google top in, income for top 1% of people in the world. It's $31,020. If you ever made $31,020 in a 12-month period in your lifetime, you're a 1% wealthiest person in the world. I'm telling you, our poor, poor people in America, even if they don't make $31,000 a year, poor people in America, most of them have a cell phone, a lighter, pack of cigarettes, nine lottery tickets, cable TV. And complaining about what they don't have. Listen, if, and I've told you, I don't believe God's going to give you more till you're thankful for what you got. Why in the world would God give you, if you're living in a single wide trailer and you keep it nasty, why would God bless you with a double wide trailer? If you're living in a tiny studio apartment and you keep it nasty, why would God bless you with a three-bedroom apartment? Uh, we we, we got to be thankful for what we have. And I, and I want to tell you something right now. I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna get off this poor people thing. But just because someone's poor don't mean they have to be trashy. You need to be thankful for everything you have. I laid it out one time. It was, it was on my Facebook. I don't know. Any, anybody ever see that picture I put on my Facebook where I laid out all my Atlanta Braves jerseys on my bed? Anybody, anybody see that on my Facebook? Yeah. I, 30 Atlanta Braves jerseys. If you see me outside this pulpit, you're going to see me in a pair of Jordans, Air Force Ones, tennis shoes, and some form of an Atlanta Brave shirt on. And I sat there, and I just I welled up with tears and I thought, look how good God is to me. Every one of those T-shirts costs 14 bucks, by the way. Uh, you, you can't find clothes that cheap at Walmart, hardly. <laughs> but I was, so, I, I, I was so thankful. I said, look how good God has been to me. I got 30 shirts to wear. And that's just my Atlanta Brave shirts. Now, I didn't put the next picture on public platform. Because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like crazy folks. I pulled all my underwear out. I had 68 pair of underwear. Now, now let, me, let me just let y'all know. Anybody know why men have so much underwear? I got underwear from the 70s. Uh <laughs> 
Hey, I, I, I pulled out all, I use a clean white towel and a clean white washcloth every day, a fresh towel and a fresh washcloth to get in the shower. I've got 18 white towels and 18 white washcloths. Why? Because so, maybe I don't want to do laundry for two weeks. And with 68 pair of underwear and 30 t-shirts to put on, Hey, I mess around doing laundry. I'm going to be a minute. But what am I saying? We don't have nothing. You've got stuff. Are you thankful for it? Do you believe that everything you have, God allowed you to have? We could have so much. Well, I don't have as much. Stop worrying about who has more than you. Everybody's got more than somebody. I've had, it's hilarious when people, I've had people tell me, oh, well, if I had your money, my money, my, my money ain't no comparative stick. You don't see me on no Forbes list of billionaires. I mean, you know, you, you got, everybody thinks Bill Gates, Bill Gates used to be the richest man in the world. Now Jeff Bezos has slapped him in the head and, and now, you know, Bill Gates ain't the richest man. He's got over a hundred billion dollars, though, I think he's going to make it. Well, I don't have a hundred billion dollars. Let me tell you something. God is going to let you make it. Everybody makes it. From the ditch digger to the president. Everybody gets up in the morning and, and, and gets back up in the next day. Listen, I got some clothes that fit tighter than I want them to. Lose weight. I got some clothes that got holes in them. But the holes are in a good place, and I got, I got used to it. Are you thankful for what you have? You don't see no jewelry on me. You don't see watch on me. I, I, I saw a pastor with a, with a church less than half the size of ours for Pastor Appreciation Month. They gave him a $40,000 gold necklace. I'm like, all y'all going to hell, you know that, right? Now, they're not going to hell because they, you know, appreciated their pastor, but... I mean, anybody believe that's excessive? And some, some of y'all would be so mad at that. And it's not that you're mad at what he got. You're bitter about what you don't have. And if you don't hear anything, hear this. You'll never be who God wants you to be, being upset with what you don't have. I love what that hymn writer said. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and we'll surprise you what the Lord has done. I, I, I love what one of my former preachers, uh, Rick Baldwin, said it. Um, he, he was talking about, he was preaching a sermon on thanks and how we need to be more thankful. We need to thank God. The Bible says, thank him for everything. And he said, if you haven't thanked God for the hair in your nose today, you're not done thanking God for everything. Because if you didn't have that hair in your nose, you choked to death on the dust. I don't know if that's medically accurate, but I, it stuck in my mind. And I, I didn't thank God for the hair in my nose today, but I, uh, I, I, I wish I didn't have to trim it as much. But that's a different, that's a different message. Are you thankful? The Bible says give thanks unto the Lord because he is good. If you try to thank God for any other primary reason, oh, my life's just going so good, Pastor. I'm just so thankful to God. I got a new job. I got a pay raise. Uh, I was blessed with a new transmission for my car. They recalled my car and put a new engine. And you just start listing all these reasons why you're thankful. Uh, those are temporary circumstances that go up, down, and sideways. If you try to find a reason to thank God. Now, listen, you ought to thank him for, for his good deeds, okay? If you got something good from God, you ought to thank him. But on your lowest day, you still ought to thank him for his, for his goodness. 
And the sad reality is I've met far too many people that honestly, deep down, they just don't believe God's been better to them than they deserve. They feel like they got the short end of the stick. Let me assure you something today before we get out of here. In the, in, in the transition, in, in the exchange where he took our sin and we got his righteousness, we got the better end of the deal. Listen, uh, to I'm, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read it quick, and we're going to read it in what is formerly called responsive reading. Now, typically only Catholics and Lutherans and Presbyterians uh, and some Methodists do responsive reading, but this entire chapter was a song where the refrain was said by the people. The first part was said by the preacher, and the second part was said by the people. We're going to go through this real quick, and we're going to get out of here, but I want you to open your mouth and participate. And do what the people of God have done forever. This is the great Hallel. This is the greatest psalm of praise that we have in the Bible. And I want you to participate in it this morning. If you notice, the end of every verse, all 26 verses, say the exact same thing. One, two, three, four. The exact same five words in every verse. And the psalmist goes through and lists bunches and bunches of reasons. Why? We should give thanks to God for his goodness. Lots of good things that God has done. And the people would say, for his mercy endureth forever. And some of y'all ain't going to do it. And, and here's the reality. Some of y'all are going to think, well, I'm, I'm just a little tired today. No, I don't feel like doing it. Some of y'all are going to think, well, I'm just more, you know, I'm introverted. I, I, I don't want to say the words wrong. Somebody will laugh at me. Listen, open your mouth and boldly say the word of God today. This is what people have done for thousands of years. This is the greatest praise hymn in all of... All you got to do is research it. You can Google it, and it'll tell you. This is... It's known as, in, in, in Hebrew culture, as the... There's a lesser Hallel and a greater Hallel, and this is the great Hallel. So I'm going to read the first part. You're going to read the second part, and if you don't, if you don't, if you don't say it loud enough, we're going to be here till 4 o'clock. We're not having church tonight. I don't even have to go home. We do, I mean, I just I, I don't need a nap between church today because I ain't no between church. Still going to get a nap, but here we go. Verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Listen to these great things as, as you say your part. Don't, don't, don't miss these. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. I wish everybody would read the way John. Thank you, John. Man, I appreciate you lifting your voice up to God and the Word of God today. Uh, I know everybody's voice don't carry. Uh, as We call him John the Baptist for a reason. He is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Uh, but I want, I want you to say these words and, and let yourself hear your declaration today. Uh, verse 4 says, To him alone, to him who alone doeth great wonders. To him that by wisdom made the heavens. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters. To him that made great lights. The sun to rule by day. The moon and the stars to rule by night. Listen to this list of how... Many good things God has done. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn. 
and brought out Israel from among them with a strong hand and stretched out arm. Don't get tired on God. We're not done yet to him that divided the Red Sea into parts and made Israel to pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. To him which led his people through the wilderness. To him which smote great kings. And slew famous kings. Sion, the king of the Amorites. And Og, the king of Bashan. And gave their land for a heritage. Even a heritage unto Israel, his servant. Who remembered us in our low estate. And hath redeemed us from our enemies. Who giveth food to all flesh. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven. So he takes them through this progression, and you need to have a progression in your mind, and you need to have in your voice. You need to ride down the road and say, thank you, God, your mercy endures forever. Thank you, God, for doing this for me, for doing that for me, for doing the other thing for me. And you need to begin to call out the good things that God has done. We need to reprogram our brain. God is not some cosmic killjoy sitting up in the sky waiting to zap everybody who steps out of line. God is the gracious, loving, merciful God that when his children step out of line, he loves us back into repentance. The Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that brings us to repent. And we need to remind ourselves. Uh, I, I, I'm going to read you something. It's going to be quick, but it's based on this next verse. Psalm 96.1 says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Now, where are you going to come up with a new song? The Bible says sing to yourselves in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The, 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 the Bible repeatedly says sing a new song unto God. Well, you don't have to be a songwriter to sing the way God's people have sang to him for generations. We just sang the great Hallel together. We, 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 we just gave God the highest praise, Hallel praise, hallelujah, uh, so I wrote myself a little 12 verse. Now this is the, the least Hillel. In, 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 in the Bible you've got the great Hillel, the lesser Hillel. Now this is the least Hillel because this is Scott Becker's Hillel unto God. And you need to have a progression that's in your mind. The first great thing God did for you outside of being born, if he saved you at all, that, that ought to be the top of your list. And you ought to have a progression. You ought to remember. I, 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 I give thanks to God for his goodness that allowed John Harris to be back in church with his wife today. Had a surgery done. Do you know how many people have been botched surgeries, died on surgeries, caught infections on surgeries? Uh, I, I'm thankful for the story that, that God is writing in the life of John Harris. You need to be thankful for your own progress. Well, I don't feel like I got anything to be thankful for. You're special. I'm going to give you 12 real quick. 
And this is just off the top of my head. I could have wrote a thousand. But I want you to look at this, and I want you to take this as if it was Wednesday night homework, and I want you to write a hallel to God. I want you to write a hallelujah to God. So, uh, number one, y'all don't have to say the end of it. I'll say the whole thing. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I'm going to start there because that every, 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 every good thing comes from the, from the Father above according to Scripture. But then number two, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he saved my soul for his mercy. Endure. If you have gotten over the fact that God saved you, you need to fall on your face and beg God to forgive you. This is good news. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he kept me. Mm, I know we're not going to have time today, but I probably listened to it 40 times last night. I know some of y'all don't even know who Kirk Carr is. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Deke? Oh, I almost gave up. I felt like I just couldn't take life anymore. Mm. I, I had it. I had it pulled up on YouTube. I was going, but it's five. It was five minutes and twenty seconds, and I'm like, hey, these people ain't got another five minutes in them. Um, but he kept me. You know how many people quit you? You know how many people would have quit you if they knew more about you? He kept me. Number four, give thanks to the Lord, for he gave me hope, for his mercy endures forever. He gave me hope. I never, I, I never knew real love until I met God. See, I don't, I don't believe, I, I, I know some preachers say, well, unless you're saved, you don't even know how to love people. I know lots of lost folk that love each other. I just didn't have any, any, any hope before I met God, but God Gave me hope, and I'm going to tell you what, that hope is still growing in me. And his mercy endures forever. Number five, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he gave me his son. <sighs> Nobody could ever give you anything better than Jesus. Whitney stole a great song from Dolly Parton. Of course, Whitney's got a better singing voice, but Dolly's got a better laugh. And in one part of the song, I'll Always Love You, it said, I wish you joy and I wish you happiness, but above all this, I wish you love. That's cool. That, 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 that's, just, that's such good writing that it made Dolly millions of dollars, then it made Whitney millions of dollars. You think you can sing a little bit? Re-release that song. It'll make you money. And that's nice. That's nice to wish people joy. That's nice to wish people happiness. And it's really nice to wish people love. But above all, everything, I wish you Jesus. God gave his son to me. And he changed me forever. And I am a living witness that his mercy endures forever. Number six, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he gave me his spirit. For his mercy endures forever. As you read the Gospels, you see Jesus telling his closest disciples that he's going away. And they wouldn't see him for a long time. He said, at the Last Supper, I've longed to have this meal with you. But we won't have it again. 
for a long time. And, and they didn't understand, and, and, and they didn't know why he was leaving, but he told them, I'm, I'm going to go to my father, but my father's going to send you another comforter. someone to co- He's going to send you his spirit. And even as I've been with you, he'll be with you, but not only will he be with you, he'll be inside you. If you are a Christian, the Spirit of God lives inside you. The Creator lives inside you. If you gave your life to God, He gave His life to you and He gave you His Spirit. You don't have to do wrong. You can have the mind of Christ. You can rely on the Spirit of God because He gave me His Spirit. Number seven, oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he gave me his word, for his mercy endures forever. Obviously, we ought to be able to say with, with, with the many who've said it before, uh, where would I be without God? Well, where would, where would we be without this book? Where would we be without these words? This, this is a love letter written by God to his children. Where would we be without the comfort? Uh, listen, you can sing all the songs you want to sing. You can, you can, you can be the greatest. Pray. Let's, I know people that love praise and worship that don't even have a depth of relationship to God, but I never met anybody that loved the Word of God that didn't have a deep relationship with God. And, and, and you can sing late in the midnight hour. Uh, he's going to work in your favor. You can sing all the songs you want to sing, but the comfort is going to come. When you read that written word of God, when you put your eyes on it, and I'm telling you, when it's so precious to you that it just chokes you up, when, when, when you fall on places like Psalm 23 and you read, the Lord is my shepherd, he takes care of me. Oh, I'm thankful. Number eight, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he gave my life a purpose. His mercy endures forever. He gave my life a purpose, and because his mercy endures forever, the purpose remains. It's a shallow life. If if all you're living for is you and yours, it's a shallow life. When you get involved in kingdom business, when 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 you get involved with the purpose that God created you for, your life takes on a bigger meaning than yourself. You're living for something bigger and outside of yourself. Oh, his mercy endures forever number nine oh give thanks to the lord for he gave me brothers and sisters in christ his mercy endures forever many of you know this some of you may not have experienced it everybody you know your experience is is different than mine but i can tell you this in many ways the people that are in your spiritual family will be closer to you than the people in your biological family The people in your biological family have been prepositioned to remember everything you ever did that they didn't approve of. Then you get saved, and they're your biggest doubter. Mm, she acting holy, but I know her. No, you don't. You knew her. You knew the her that you knew. But if you're bad-mouthing her, you don't know the her that God knows. You can't be close to God bad-mouthing his children. And I thank God... For, for brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, I got off the phone the other day. We're just praying for you, Willie. Man, I'm so glad to see you. And, and I, I want you to know, 
uh, and, and hopefully you know me good enough. And if, if you know me at all, I don't walk around complimenting people. I don't walk around blowing sunshine up people. I, I don't walk around glad handing and patting people on the back. But man, I enjoy our times of conversation. I, I love hanging out with you. I love talking to you. I mean everything that I said. Um, and I am thankful that I have brothers and sisters in Christ. And the only, re the only way we can stay together is if we realize that God's mercy endures forever. And he's going to forgive you for every bad thing you ever do. And he's going to forgive me for every bad thing I ever do. We ain't got nothing to be mad at each other about. Number 10, oh, give thanks to the Lord. He gave me a place to serve him. Because his mercy endures forever. If his mercy didn't endure forever, none of us would be in his church still. I told you all about uh, Pastor Gene Dillon's church. They've been around since the 1800s. And they had six volumes of notes from their business meetings they had every wednesday first wednesday of the month was business meeting they put let people just come up air their whatever they wanted to say and it was hilarious and they had somebody taking notes i recommend sister Ida be kicked out of the church i was peeking through her window last saturday and i saw her playing cards at her kitchen table i'm thinking well you're a peeper you should be kicked out And this whole history of this church was, you should kick this person out, saw them playing cards, saw, I saw this person uh, dancing with their husband on their front porch, they should be kicked out. It was all about how somebody did something they disagreed with. Listen, God gave me and he gave you a place to serve him. Churches have issues because people have issues. But God wants you to be somewhere where you can use your gifts and your talents for the Lord. God wants you to be somewhere where you can find encouragement and give encouragement. God wants you to be somewhere where you can invest your money so that he can bless your money. And I thank God he gave me a place to serve. I, I feel like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul knew that he was a low-down scum on earth, backbiting sinner on his way to hell when Jesus found him on that road to Damascus. He knew that he was a persecutor of the church. He knew he was blasphemous against Jesus. He knew that he had in, in, imprisoned and executed people just for the sole being a Christian, the sole reason just being a Christian. And he knew that he did not have a clean resume. He knew he had not lived uh, the, uh, a perfect life. And he said, I thank God put me into the ministry not according to the letter of the law because the letter of the law killeth but according to the spirit because the spirit gives life none of us have crossed every t and dotted every i none, none of us have done a good enough job to be picked by god to be on his executive team but he did it anyway he chose us before we even auditioned and he gave us a place to serve him and his mercy, it's only because his mercy endures forever that we get to keep serving him. Because if we'd have put you out, we'd have made. And you, you, you'd, you'd have put me out with, with, with Billy Bob. But he gives us a place to serve him in spite of every failure that we have, in spite of every backslide that we do, in spite of every shortcoming that we have. God makes a place for you every job on the planet well not some of these super woke companies they don't fire anybody but most most companies in the world would have fired all of us by now if we worked for them 
and we gave them what we typically give to God. But because God's mercy endures forever, there's always going to be a place for us to serve Him. Number 11, oh, give thanks to the Lord for He's coming back for me. His mercy endures forever. You got to learn how to hold on to truth when life is hard. Man, get that Kirk Carr song. YouTube, Google that Kirk, that Kirk Carr song. He held me close so I wouldn't let go. And he's coming back for me. And, 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 and so many times that, that I'll just catch myself. And, 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 and I'm not saying you just got to sing all words. Some, some, some songs that bend your heart toward God or get your mind right. I, I just love to, to reflect and think. One glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Y'all know I don't like Southern gospel music, but some of those songs have great words. There's a Southern gospel song, I guess. Uh, the best version of it is done by Michael English, and I don't think he's really Southern gospel, but it's a song called Beulah Land. And it says, I'm kind of homesick for a country that I've never been to before. God is coming back for me. One day, the father's going to tell the son, go get his children. He's coming back. The Bible says this is the blessed hope of the church, that the Lord will return for us. Everybody, well, what are we going to do if it gets worse? Praise the Lord. Worse it gets, closer we are to going home. Hey. Let, 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 let the heathen rage, the people imagine a vain thing. Let, 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 let the mountains crumble and the, and the oceans roar. I know he's coming back for me. And if you're a child of his, he's coming back for you too. Last one, I know it's late. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he has a place for me in heaven. His mercy endures forever. He's not just coming back for us just to throw us up in heaven and say, figure it out. You know, this ain't no mama bird uh, in a nest, just toss one out and say, fly if you can. No. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. I got a home in heaven. You're worried about what you don't have. You got a home in heaven. Chasing money so hard. We're going to walk on streets of gold beneath our feet. With no value. Because the only valuable thing that is in heaven is Jesus. Because Jesus is God. And God is amazing. Last verse. Psalm 103 verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I want you to live in this verse. I want you to have a heart that says thank you to God. And I want you to have a mind that remembers what he's done for you. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, 
loving God, loving people.